0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06 on a rather lovely Monday morning as we watch the sun rise across Tamantun. It is, of course, the 26th of February and we are... The Money Run crew in front of me is Keef Kam and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, in about 30 minutes, we'll be speaking to Dennis He He's the charge defense at the Ukrainian embassy in Malaysia on the second anniversary of Russia's full invasion of that country. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed last Friday.
1: So the Dow Jones was up 0.2%. The S&P 500 was up marginally as well. But uh, regardless, both of these indices were, were at new uh, record highs. The Nasdaq, however, closed 0.3%. Lower. Uh, earlier in the day in Asia, the Nikkei, in Japan, the Nikkei was close because Friday was M- the Emperor's birthday, but it saw 2.2% the day before, where it hit a record high and is now just less than 1,000 points before it reaches 40,000. Uh, Hong Kong's Hang Seng was down 0.1%, Shanghai's Composite was up 0.6%, Singapore's STI was down 1.2%, and the FBM KLCI was up 0.2% at 1,549 points.
0: For some insights, though, on where international markets are heading this week, we speak to Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global. Good morning, Kingsley. Always good to speak to you. Can you please help us understand what is happening in the United States? Because the S&P 500 and the Dow both closed at record highs last week. Do you think this rally has legs?
2: Well, it's certainly been a very strong period for the S&P 500, uh, but uh, I'd note that that index is now dominated by the technology stocks. So uh, what we're really seeing here, I think, is uh, the spillover of that tremendous move in stocks like NVIDIA. Uh, in the lead-up to their announcements of their earnings and then obviously the huge rally post a very good earnings result. So uh, I think that's the main driver of the performance that we've seen. Some other stocks in the United States have lagged. Um, and so with most of the the big tech reports out of the way, uh, we won't be seeing that sort of highly positive news flow at this time. So we think the market will probably take a breather from here. Uh, we'll probably see some rotation within the market. And we'll also see, I think, uh, investors toying with whether they, uh, you know, wait for a dip on the tech stocks to buy more. Clearly, uh, that is the place to be in terms of the momentum. Mm -hmm. And we'll just have to see how this market pans out going forward.
0: So other than technology, what do you think investors are looking at as to determine where where the market is heading? Are we going back to trying to determine the actions of the Federal Reserve?
2: Well, I think monetary um, policy has had a huge effect, particularly on U.S. markets. However, uh, I think it is getting more interesting than that now uh, because, uh, you know, we do have um, some pretty robust conditions in certain sectors of the economy, uh, not only in the U.S., also worldwide. So the main areas that we're looking at where we think there's positives in play is uh, healthcare care globally, particularly pharmaceuticals and biotech is looking more interesting. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of attention uh, drawn by the GLP-1 drugs. You know, um, Eli Lilly and um, Nova Nordisk in Europe uh, have been doing tremendously well. Uh, But some other companies are also starting to show, uh, you know, signs of life, as it were. You know, Amgen, uh, Regeneron and others, names that we're interested in. And these are all uh, companies that have long histories. Um, And previously they had blockbuster drugs, but they went through a slow 10 years or so after the Obama era restrictions on pharmaceutical pricing. Uh, Now with, uh, you know, time passed, uh, an aging global population, and lots of new technologies in drug discovery uh, through AI and other means, uh, I think that we're probably looking at a pretty good period for those going forward. So we're putting a lot of attention in that area at this time.
1: Kingsley, I want to I want to pick up on something you said just now about, um, about how this is a tech field rally and that uh, you expect investors to start buying on dips as far as big tech was concerned. But at the same time, I've, I've also been reading about how the number of tech sector layoffs this year has so far been outpacing what was seen last year. So maybe help us manage expectations a bit. How do you read all this uh, into, into uh, what our investment strategy should be like?
2: Yeah, look, that's a great observation. I mean, normally, of course, if you saw tech layoffs at the pace that we're seeing, as you mentioned, um, you know, that would be a negative for the companies. Um, actually, if you look at the uh, profit margins for a range of these companies, they've been expanding significantly. Now, for a firm like NVIDIA that has, a, you know, the hot commodity, you know, these chips that are selling for $40,000 US or more, uh, it's not surprising to see those margins expand because, you know, they're a hardware company. They don't actually make the chips. Somebody else does. Uh, but if they're in scarce supply, you know, they can charge what they want. And that's kind of what's happening there. But elsewhere in tech, uh, you're right, there's been layoffs, but we're seeing margin expansion. And a lot of that, we think, is the early stages of the productivity um, increase from using generative AI tools within tech. Now, if you think about where people are, Uh, have jobs in tech. A lot of them are coders, but not all of them are coders. A lot more are involved in client relations and customer management and, you know, marketing and such things. And each of these areas is actually quite well suited uh, to using Gen AI models, particularly coding. Uh, So a lot of coders have reported significant productivity improvements through using Microsoft Copilot and other tools. And I think now what you're seeing is, if you will, the boomerang effect You know, programmers invented these tools and they now seem to be the first ones to lose their jobs.
0: Okay, sadly though that's true, Kingsley. Um, I've got a question about AI though. So much of what, uh, so much of the money has flowed into these chip makers, like you say, because the chips are worth forty thousand per chip. But do you see any other companies that are proxy to this who maybe are working on the application of AI? Even like Australian names like Afterpay, Block—is it something worth considering?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's two ways to think about that. Uh, well, perhaps three. I mean, um, you know, you mentioned financial services with Block and so on. And and clearly, I think, as I mentioned with um, the tech sector, there's a lot of functions in finance um, that, you, you know, could potentially be improved by AI. So that's a place to watch. And, you know, the big Australian banks, I'm sure they'll be doing stuff in this area to just to try to improve um you know, their performance in terms of uh, compliance and other matters that are very labor intensive right now. So that's one area to look. But I would say, look, the standout for us is I think that the Chinese tech sector has been left behind here because obviously people have said, well, you know, they don't have the leading model, so why would you be interested? Um, and, And then there's also been, of course, the crackdown that happened earlier with the Chinese government. But the point that I would make is that China's the second largest economy on earth. And the way the U.S. sanctioned behavior is going, um, they're, they're kind of shutting themselves out of that market, as we've seen with NVIDIA. On the call, the innings call, Jensen uh, Wang, the uh, CEO of NVIDIA, when asked about competition, said, well, look, possibly their major competition is Huawei because Huawei in China is actually quite good at designing chips. They're not very good at making them right now. That's because of the sanctions. Uh, but I think you have to look at that runway ahead of China And say well, at least on the software application side, what you're mentioning, I think some of these firms, you know, the usual suspects like Tencent, uh, you know, Alibaba, um, um, Baidu and uh, other firms, particularly in the auto sector, you know, like BYD, uh, as we move into self-drive, they're probably all significant beneficiaries of the AI boom, I would think. And, and um, I mean,
1: speaking about Chinese stocks as well, they, they kind of rebounded strongly last week. Is this more of a function of them being quite oversold leading up to today?
2: Yeah, look, I think there has been that effect. As, um, you know, what happened, of course, around this time last year, uh, there were a lot of institutional funds managers who were betting heavily on China investing money uh, for the expected COVID rebound, you know, with revenge shopping and all the rest of it. It didn't pan out that way in China. The Chinese uh, consumers have been quite cautious. um, And and so then you saw the opposite effect of loads of money leaving China. I think now Chinese values are quite compelling, but the sentiment is still poor. You know, if we see some, um, you know, greater progress on combating the real estate crisis with new government measures and just a stabilisation of Chinese consumption data, then I think you know some of these Chinese stocks are really compelling, but as I said, the the uh, you know the the sentiment's still pretty negative. Uh, you get lots of uh, you know negative stories about Chinese companies and how you know they're not going to get anywhere. But I'd point out that not all of them are owned by the government. There's plenty of entrepreneurial firms in China, like Xiaomi, you know, the mobile phone maker, for example. And and therefore I think you just uh, you do your research. You don't have to rush, uh, but these are certainly interesting times to look at China, and we think later this year it could really come into its own as, as the value play for this year.
0: All right, thank you very much for your time. That was Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global, telling us to start paying attention to the Chinese market. Valuations are very attractive, although sentiment is weak. And honestly, there hasn't gone past, there hasn't been a week this year where the Chinese government hasn't issued some form of statement or stimulus to kind of prop up the economy, be it whether it's a stock market or even the property market or even trying to get the Chinese to actually consume. But definitely valuations look super attractive and even on a year-to-date basis, it's caused the Shanghai Composite to jump by 1%. But I don't think the foreign investors are back at all. It's really just a lot of domestic money at this moment.
1: Yeah, and 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 when I when I look at uh, how how high the uh, Dow and the S and P are hitting new records, it does fill me with a little bit of nervousness, which, which is why I've been reading up on on, on the fact that um, well, Kingsey did say that we should we, we could buy the dip whenever it comes to the big tech, but at the same time, when you look at the stats, yes, it's uh, just two months into the new year, but mm. the, the 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 pace of layoffs among uh, tech companies is higher than the whole of last year, which. Kind of like, you know, it helps me temper my expectations a little bit, which is why I wanted some uh, insight from him.
0: Well, it's probably because they know that going ahead revenue might shrink. So the most important thing is to control your top line. Uh, and cost is one way, so it's probably like moving, like taking first mover advantage mm-hmm. before it gets too bad. Uh, but let's talk about one of the world's richest men, Warren Buffett, the sage of Omaha, because his company Berkshire Hathaway reported a record cash pile. This is cash, by the way, of $167.6 billion just in quarter four. Um, there's so much cash because he's basically said there isn't enough attractive investment opportunities. Can you beat that, Keith?
1: I, I wonder how many suitcases that will fill. <laughs> I don't even think
0: you're thinking suitcases is multiple swimming pools, football fields. Okay, let me put that into context. At,
1: at like a particular at like a particular mansion in Sarawak, I suppose. Anyway, despite operating earnings rising to $8.5 billion due to high interest rates and insurance underwriting, Buffett did express disappointment over just how many deals he could substantially uh, um, uh, improve their performance on. His purchase of Allegheny Corp for $11.6 billion in investments in Occidental Petroleum and Japanese trading houses are some of the notable, notable moves he had made in the recent period. He also spent $9.2 billion on share repurchases in 2023.
0: Okay, what's interesting is he basically said that repurchasing their own shares might become less attractive with the rising prices. And, you know, he sends out this annual newsletter which people pore over. And in it, he basically said there remains only a handful of companies in this country capable of truly moving the needle at Berkshire and they have been endlessly picked over by us and by Others and outside the US, there are essentially no candidates that are meaningful options for capital deployment. And Berkshire, all in all, we have a p- no possibility of eye popping performance. See. I don't know. I mean, he's like super duper honest, isn't it? This is about managing yeah. expectations, right? So when he comes back next quarter and says, Hey, look, I managed to do an investment, hey, I surprised on the upside. But the point is, Warren, if you've got nothing to buy, we've got plenty of cheap Malaysian companies. <laughs> Why not come and visit us? You went to Japan last year, you didn't come to Malaysia.
1: See, Shani, I, I this is what makes me nervous because I also read that Jamie Dimon sold something like $150 million of, uh, I forgot, some bank stocks. And, and Warren Buffett can't find anything to, to invest in. And yet the Dow and uh, the S&P 500 are at new record highs. So yes, maybe it's time to start reconsidering managing your own expectations.
0: Well, they always say follow the smart money, right? So if you believe Warren and Jamie Dimon, what are they trying to tell you? I think the answer is rather obvious. Um, next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9.